Welcome to the Transit Lounge. I'm your host, Chandra. As a recovering workaholic, I want to explore how you can do more of what you love without burning out. I'm on a mission to promote true well-being, the contented state of being happy, healthy, and prosperous. Through interviews with savvy entrepreneurs, authors, and industry experts, we'll share insights, inspiration, and practical tips on how you can be CEO you in the business of your life. Let's go. Hello, Robin. Thank you so much for Hello. being here. Hello, Chandra. Thank you for having me. How, where are you this morning, I should say? <laughs> well, it's actually evening. I'm in Toronto, Canada. It is 5.15 or almost 5.30 in the evening. And we are already in darkness and we are in winter and we are freezing cold here. <laughs> <laughs> we are literally almost like opposite ends because it's morning time here and it's fairly warm uh, where we are. So we're, we're kind of um, at opposite poles. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> but I'm interested in really deep diving into your story, Robin, because just the, the little bits that I know so far, I'm really intrigued about. And so I know that your story and your insights are going to be really great and interesting for anyone who's listening who perhaps is at a point in their life thinking about making some kind of you know significant career change and maybe they've got all the questions running around in their mind about whether to do it or not, how to do it, how fast to do it, and how to know if it's the right thing. And so that's really you know one of the things that I'm excited about sharing your story uh, so that others can get inspiration from you know how you approached it, you know, if, you know for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Wonderful. I'm hoping I can be helpful because it was a it's an interesting journey, that's for sure. <laughs> especially especially in your 40s when you know you've you've kind of set on one path and then you switch to a new path and you're in midlife. It's, it's an interesting journey. <laughs> yes. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that is something that I do hear from a lot of clients that I work with who, you know, are women in their forties and they've had a run of uh, either one career or a couple of careers and done quite well, but then they're at a different kind of stage of life. And, and for many of them, they tell themselves that, Oh, it's too late now. I'm, I'm in my 40s and it's too hard. And so I'm really um, excited about you, you know, your take on that as we go through the, the conversation. But maybe you can yes. just start off by, by telling us, what is it that you do now and what did you used to do? Well, now I am a floral designer. I am loving every minute of it. I'm very excited to be doing it. And I, 20 years ago-ish, uh, probably a little bit more now, I graduated from library science with a master's degree. So I am officially trained as a librarian. Um, I slowly worked for a number of years as a librarian, probably I would say about 13, 14 years. And then I moved into marketing um, which I did not like at all. I know marketing has lots of value for many careers, including what I do now, but doing marketing on its own was just, I don't know, I can't describe <laughs> what it made me feel. Um, it just wasn't for me. And throughout that journey, I kept feeling like something was calling me and I wasn't the child, I would say, who said, Oh, I am going to be, I love flowers. I'm going to be a florist. I, I played in my mother's garden, all those kinds of things. I think it was more subconscious. I always knew I liked flowers. I 
I think it was more of a subconscious thing, but I was so directed by um, parents and by, you know, family pressure to become a librarian or be a professional. And, and I didn't think along the lines of anything that might be creative or, you know, arts-based or anything like that. And as I got older and older, I kept saying to myself, I don't think I can sit at a desk for the rest of my life. Yeah. I just don't think I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so much in what you've just already said <laughs> that I would love to, to dive into. The fact that you're an officially trained librarian. I don't think I've actually met an officially trained librarian before. I am. <laughs> you are. Um, and then the, the marketing uh, transition, you, you said, you know, it, you just worked out that it wasn't for you. And so then were you in the marketing role when you started to realize that perhaps there was this underlying interest or calling towards flowers or how did that start to, I guess, become a little bit more real for you? Uh, actually very much so during the years that I was a librarian, I, I actually like librarianship. I love to read. I'm, I'm, I read all the time, but the, the world of librarianship, sort of nosedived at that time. And I have a master's degree from a university and they were looking for college level um, people to do the work that I was doing. And so I sort of said to myself, I can't keep doing this and being paid less money. It doesn't make a lot of sense for me. And um, the marketing came up sort of when I was working a little bit at home on contracts and then I got a, a position um, to do publications and marketing for a synagogue organization. And during that time, I kind of felt like this, this can't be it. This can't be my life. Like <laughs> this is I going in like it's so it's not, you know, it was a, it was a lovely place, lovely people. I'm not saying that that was the issue, just the work for me was not what I wanted to be doing with myself. And I kept slowly saying, maybe I need to take a course. Maybe I need to look at something. And so there's, um, there's more than one botanical society here, but the Toronto botanical society has courses that you can take and you just pay per course. I took that course. I loved it. Um, I kept wanting to learn more and I kept taking more courses and spending more money. And I, then I finally said to myself, I have to go and take something professionally and see what happens from there. So I went to a college and part-time on Saturdays during the, the um, that year, I took a professional level florist course. And I'm like, I just want to keep doing this. <laughs> yes. For a lot of people, when they get though, the, I guess the, the front end of what you've just described, that, that feeling of, and I think that what you said was, uh, you're in a work situation and, and working with good people and there's nothing really inherently wrong with the work, although it sounds like there's a bit of a pay disparity that was for your situation, but that mm. that feeling and inner voice perhaps of this can't be it, this this can't mm. be what I'm meant to be doing for the rest of my life, that, that sort of questioning. And so that then you looked at doing some training and doing some courses but at that time was it that the intention was this is just about introducing some variety or did you think that there was something that in the looking for the course there was um, hints of maybe this is a direction I want to go about professionally or was it more about oh maybe if I've got some other hobbies in my life I'll, I'll be happier what was it for you 
it's funny you should you should say that because at the same time roughly um I'm a wife and I'm a mother of two teenagers. And at, at the time I was starting to rediscover other things about myself. I, I had put on quite a bit of weight. Um, you know, I gained about 40 pounds and I started exercising at a boxing gym and I have successfully lost that 40 pounds and have kept it off for uh, four years. Good on you. Uh, um, go, go, thank you. Going on almost five. And I'm actually in better shape now than I was when I was 20, I would say. And so, and so at the time, yes, things were more for hobby. I was, you know, looking at, well, maybe to injury, my kids are older now. I've invested a lot of time being a mother, being a wife, you know, having a career, but, but, but really being a mother and a wife and, and, um, I said to myself, like, here, I'm loving this boxing and I, you know, I'm loving these floral courses. At the time when I took the the professional course through the college, when I started it, I didn't see myself necessarily doing this other than maybe, you know, here and there as a freelancer, maybe mm-hmm. here and there as, um, you know, somebody wants something, a friend or a family member or a small wedding or something like that. Yeah. And then as I was doing that, I got a job offer um, to work for a company and I tried that out. It was a, it was a wedding and event company and I tried that out. That particular job wasn't right for me. Um, And I kept my job, you know, at the synagogue organization and slowly kind of moved away from that and then decided I'm going to go into floral and go into retail floral with a teacher of mine for Uh, a bit of time and see where that pans out. And I kind of just made a decision. I'm going to leave the, the, the event company because it's not right. And I'm going to leave my, my actual job. And, um, you know, my florist teacher has a retail shop and she said, come and work with me, come five days a week for a couple of hours every day, I'll pay you. And, you know, it was taking a big pay cut, but I was like, I've got to see, I've got to really see if this is what I want to do. Yes, and so that's where it's where that's where it started, um, and I did I, that was a year and a half ago, and now I'm at the point where I'm fully freelancing, including for that floral teacher, and I'm also working completely for myself, so I'm doing both. Wow. Okay. Great. Yeah. And so you sort yeah. of, um, in terms of when we look at the actual transition, it sounds like you sort of almost dabbled or experimented in a couple of ways. Because mm-hmm. you know, some people take the approach of I'm going to go part-time in my main gig and use the other time that I've got to either do training or um, study or to do get some work experience and things like that. Other people just kind of go, all right, I'm just going to keep doing my full-time thing and on weekends and nights I'll, you know, squeeze some other opportunities in to just sort of start to dabble and see what I feel. Other people just go cold turkey and just rip it off like a Band-Aid, quit their job and and, uh, just dive straight into something new. Uh, But for you, was it a conscious thing that you thought about, you know, doing the, the bits and pieces initially or... Do you feel like it was like a, a real strategy that you did or you just sort of it just evolved and you you kept taking small action steps? I think it evolved. I think really the whole thing uh, since the beginning has really been an evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the reason my, my company's name is Bloom by Robin. Um, right and I can name. explain... 
Yeah, thank you very much. I can explain that name right now. We can talk about other things, uh, but I'm happy to explain right now why I came up with that name. Yeah, tell me. Um, okay, great. Um, so, so part of it, if it, when when people see my um, headshot, they'll see that I'm holding a cell phone, and the cell phone has the word Bloom on it. One of my other floral mentors, in fact, my first floral mentor, who um, lives in Thunder Bay, Ontario, which is far north from here, and has a great uh, business, and she'll. I'm giving her a shout out without giving her name. Um, she's an awesome person. Uh, shout out to my retail floral teacher as well, who who I worked with for a year and a half. She said to me, you need to have a business name. It can even just be your own name, Robin Rakowski, because you can't buy at any of our wholesalers without having a business name. And I'm sure that applies to many places in the world, but mm-hmm. but that's what she told me. And I sat there one night going, business name, business name, business name. I cannot think of anything. And I'm literally holding my cell phone with the word bloom on it. And I'm banging it against my knee. I'm sitting in my bedroom, business name. And I finally look down at my phone and I see the word bloom and my phone case is all flowers. (laughs) And I say to myself, there's my business name. Bloom. As simple as that. Very, very simple. You are hilarious. But at the same time, I said to myself, you know what? It's not that simple because I have bloomed into this. This is an evolution, real blooming as a person uh, and blooming into who I really am and being my authentic self. I've even let my hair go gray because I want to be me, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, When I started off as a librarian, not to say that I didn't like being a librarian, but it was what my parents told me. You need to be a professional. You need to be able to support yourself. You need to be able to have a, a, a university education, all these kinds of things. And I'm not saying that was a mistake per se, but it really wasn't my own thinking. It wasn't yeah. my own thoughts. And slowly as the years went on with support from a very, very wonderful husband, with support from a very amazing aunt that I have, you know, I started to learn that I have a voice, I have an expression, I have an ability to be who I am. And while that's scary as all, excuse my language, fuck, uh, it's true that, that I bloomed into this, that I evolved into this. And I think that's a really important way to live. Yes. So that's why I came up with the name that I did. And I love the fact that it does work on so many levels. And I also love the fact that you know, you were saying you were really stewing about what's this name, but it was literally right in front of you, in your hand the whole time, which often we don't see until, you know, hindsight. Uh, And I think the other thing that I actually think is great is that, you know, it was something that, yes, all right, you had that moment of exploration, but I also know that, that just coming up with a business name is something that for many women, they stress about and procrastinate about for a very very long time whereas really there's lots of other things that are also really important and it um, can get something be something that people get really caught on so I love the fact that you didn't you know slave over that idea for months mm-hmm. and you've also brought up about that and again whether it was a moment of realization or you know, I guess, and always knowing about the huge influence that our parents or our family or, you know, our community, whatever that looks like for for different people, that the influence that that has over the decisions that we make that are quite significant decisions about how our lives go. And I think for a lot of people, they get, they do get to a point where they realize I've, I've kind of 
followed this career direction because of this influence and it was either never something that I was really interested in or I realized very quickly that it wasn't something that I was interested in and then they sort of feel like oh well, I'm sort of I'm, I'm stuck here and you mentioned about the getting support or having some supportive people in your life when you made the decision to you know leave the librarianship leave the marketing role to to explore this other interest how did people around you or in your life how did they respond um well like I said I am married to probably the best man ever in the world (laughs) and I hope he I hope he listens to this because he needs to know that but he, he really is very very supportive he just wants to see me happy you know, I've always contributed to our household and that's important to me. So I want to be able to still do that while I'm not able to do it at the level maybe that I was doing it before. A lot of our priorities have changed and how we spend and what we're spending. Um, but, you know, that support and knowing that that he is wanting me to be happy, that is really, really been helpful. My my aunt is also somebody who uh, who has always, always like you got this, you go girl. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's a coach. Um, she has a background in coaching. And so she has uh, really knowledgeable on, on these kinds of subjects on, you know, transitions and life changes and, and how we think and, and what you focus on and, and all those kinds of things. So that was helpful. When I told some of my good lifelong friends, a lot of them, some of them were supportive. Some of them were like, you know, and they're all the same age as, as me, basically there. Some of them were like, uh, what? <laughs> really? You're doing uh, what? <laughs> what? And, and and you and you want to be at home and what? <laughs> so um, you know that that's kind of because I think people have in their mind a construction of who you are and who you're supposed to be. Yeah. Right. So if you know Robin is librarian, mother of two, and a wife, that's who Robin is. Right. So the people outwardly who see you, they don't necessarily see that. Well, maybe you're creative. Maybe you have a different persona that you could actually be expressing. And so, you know, it's kind of a shock or maybe it's it's a shock to them, but it's also maybe it's an affront to them in some way. I don't know in which way, but maybe that's also something that they think, oh, well, here she is doing all the things she wants or that she, you know, and I can't do those things. So again, what? Yeah. Um, you know, um, some people just don't, don't really get it. They're thinking like you're giving up a steady income and, you know, money in your bank account every two weeks for something that's not certain, that doesn't necessarily pay you a lot, and that, you know, you don't know if you're going to have work from one week to the next. And yeah, that that's all true, right? But at the same time, is it worth having that steady income if you're miserable? <laughs> yes. And look, you know, what you've described there is actually really quite common that a lot of people that I talk with um, have that and I certainly experienced it for myself when when I left I've done a couple of significant career changes but when I left working in radio people sort of fell into two camps one lot of people were you know I guess the cheerleaders and saying good on you so many people say they want to 
quit and do something different or, or do something they really want to do, but they never really do it. And so good on you for, for backing yourself and doing it. And the other half of people were like, are you crazy? I, like you're walking away from such a great thing. And I think you've touched on a really great point about the fact that I think that for many people, either seeing somebody actually follow their, whether it's following their dreams or just following their own interests to try and create a work life that you know, they actually really enjoy instead of having it be a drudgery, it does challenge them because they potentially tell themselves, it's too late for me, I can't change, but seeing somebody else do it is, you know, I guess a challenge to them of what they've been telling themselves that lets them off the hook from actually exploring what they might want to do. So I think that's very real for a lot of people, probably not for everyone, but for a lot of people I think it can be, you know, confronting for them to see other people make significant change that is following their own path and I also think for a lot of people another part of it is that um, when you've been an employee for a long time the whole concept of working for yourself or freelancing starting your own business is super scary and look at, I mean it is when you're even in that side of things but there's mm-hmm. you know there's only a small percentage of the world's population who you know, currently work for themselves. I believe that number is growing and will continue to grow as the way of working changes. But not everybody is necessarily equipped or geared towards being open to working in that way. And it does feel very unsafe for a lot of people. So again, that's just like a whole nother level of somebody just not being able to understand why on earth you would put yourself in that situation so I think it's always very interesting to sort of to observe those reactions from the people around us and to not to that it makes them a good or a bad person with with you know how they respond but just to be aware of the influence of those people and to uh, have the individual resolve to still follow through with what's right for you Yes, absolutely. You know, it, it, and and I will agree and acknowledge that it is super scary. It was I, I'm much less scared now, almost two years into everything. But when I first started this transition, I would say about a year ago, probably I had like I don't want to say like a massive breakdown, but it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Like I was. I was like, what the hell am I doing? Maybe I need. And I kept saying, maybe I need to go back to desk. Maybe I need to go back to desk. And then. I kept thinking I'm pushing myself down. I'm going to keep standing up. And until I feel comfortable, until I am certain that I can sit at a desk again, I'm not sitting at a desk again. And every day I keep getting up and I'm like, I'd rather be cleaning my floors today if I don't have work than sitting at a desk. Um, And so until I, until I can't say that anymore, right. I, I cannot foresee myself going back to a desk other, you know, I have to sit at a desk sometimes to do my paperwork, to do my accounting, all those kinds of things, because yes, when you run a business or even when you freelance, you have invoicing, you have all the back end, you have marketing, all those things to do. But, but I, I, to sit at a desk and do work for someone else that has that, that takes me nowhere basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's maybe sounds offensive. I don't, I don't, I don't mean it to be that way, but, but I, I just can't see myself doing it. And, and I basically came to the thought one day that I don't want to get to the age where I'm retiring, God willing, I can do that one day or when I'm on my deathbed per se, and hopefully I'm still cognitively aware and say to myself, I never did that. Yeah. I never took the chance. I, what did I live my life for? 
to never do the thing I wanted to do. And then you're too old or you're too sick or you're too whatever. And now it's too late. And, you know, maybe I don't travel as much because of it, or maybe I don't have, you know, a brand new diamond ring, or maybe I don't have the latest fashion, but really you can't take any of that with you, you know, when you get old, right. Or, or when you, or when you do pass away. So to have the experiences of, of what's important to you and what's passionate to you, I think is more important than that diamond ring or, you know, those fancy shoes. Yeah. And look, and you mentioned that earlier about, you know, the support that you had with your wonderful husband and the fact that you have always contributed to the household. And I'm assuming you mean financially with your um, earnings. Money is a really big influencing factor in whether or not particularly women make the significant career change that they might dream about, think about, or want to make, because especially if they're used to earning a certain salary uh, and living a certain lifestyle, can I ask you, you know, how did the money factor influence or play out for you at those moments of transition? So I worked a four-day work week before Mm -hmm. I left um, where I worked. I, I did occasionally work a five-day work week but I found that always to be difficult with small children Mm. so normally it was a three-day or a four-day work week I never worked really a full-time full-time job um but I made enough money to have a cleaning lady once a week um you know I used to get my nails done every single week uh totally not worth it when you, you you know work with flowers because your hands get destroyed so getting a manicure every week now is not worth my time but there were certain things that I was doing that, that, you know, that extra money coming in afforded me to do. Mm-hmm. Right. But when I look at it now, what I've made over this past year, and I'm very proud to say I broke even this year. So that's exciting. Oh, congratulations. Um, that's awesome. My, thank you. In my first year of business, I realized that a lot of a lot and I was able to cover all of my expenses this year which was also very exciting so you know having that cleaning lady was like the extra and having the manicures was the extra and I've still managed to have a few manicures this year (laughs) just not every single week Mm -hmm. so so for and I was never um my husband loves this because I am inherently a saver um so I was never the type that needed Oh, I need to have the brand new, this kind of clothes or the brand new, this kind of shoes, or I've never been like that my entire life. Mm -hmm. I'm also very, like, I am the person who goes to the grocery store and like, will say, Oh, this is $2 off or that is so, you know, I buy the two, the thing that's $2 off. You know, there's that saying, keeping up with the Joneses. I I've never been like that. I don't, I don't need to be like that. And so I think that makes it easier as well. I think if you have a mindset where you need to have these things, it's very hard to break out of that mindset. But if you don't have a mindset like that, it's easier to continue to sort of live, you know, without the stuff, if if you will. Like yes. it's just easier. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, that one of the things is that it's not to say that you can't have or enjoy some of those things like the manicure or the cleaner or the whatever it is. And then it will be different for different people about what they see as a priority for them and in their situation. Uh, so I guess it's not, I don't take the stance that it's a blanket rule that you cut out all of the, the things that might fall into the niceties categories. But what I really think is important is actually to be reflecting on your spending 
and to be asking yourself the question like it sounds like you did of well in the scheme of things how important is this thing or this experience or whatever it might be and how how valuable is it how relevant is it to me whereas we tend to accumulate over time especially when you're earning consistently good money you sort of your spending rises to meet the level of that income and you, there are things that you just start doing or spending on without really giving it that much thought but just by reflecting on it there are potentially things like some subscriptions that oh do I do I really feel like I get the value from that still uh, or things like you know the the weekly nail salon visit you know for some people they might say yes it's important to me because I will work in a corporate environment or I'm on show and so I need my nails to be well presented great they might choose to invest in that but they might choose you know to cut back on on other areas of their life so the important thing is actually about looking and to make those conscious decisions and it is actually quite amazing when you start to look and and realize how many things that you just have gotten into the habit of of buying or spending money on that if you needed to would be easy enough to cut back on without feeling like you're suddenly, you know, uh, living on the poverty line. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, my husband has an income, of course, he works uh, in, in, he's been working in, in a, in an organization for 20 years. And so when we made this decision, we obviously talked about it together. Now, in our case, because of that second income, you know, we knew that certain things would, would, you know, flatten out and stay the same. Right. So I think, you know, not, not everyone has a partner, not everyone can make that same decision, mm-hmm. but I think that's important as well as the conversation that you have. Um, you know, if you are in a partnership, um, to have that conversation and say, you know, we have a kid who's about to go off to university in the fall in, in September, 2020, we have a kid who goes to overnight camp for the summer that we thank God it's only one more summer we have to pay for. But, you know, so we had conversations about that. Like, is this going to affect her being able to go to summer camp? Mm. Is this going to affect his university education? Have we saved enough for his university education? You know, two years from his, when he starts, she'll start her, her university education. So it's like, you know, being able to have an open dialogue about that is very important, I think. And, you know, when we realize that that not much really is going to change, that that only a few things needed to be sort of done away with, um, you know, we felt co- more confident about about changing the rules. And I think overall, our household is a lot um, happier and a lot calmer. And even though the kids are, you know, moving in on adulthood, I think it's been good to be able to be there to you know, take them to an appointment if they need to, or, um, you know, help them with a certain requirement they have, or like, I've just been able to be around more. We've also, we've also, we've also purchased a dog or gotten a dog. I don't know what the right term is, but, but that's also added to our family life. And it's been very helpful for everybody's stress level, everybody's mental health. And we wouldn't have been able to do that if I was working a full-time position. So there's give and take with everything. Yeah, totally. And I'm very jealous about you having a dog because I I wanted (laughs) to get one. We, we had a dog uh, and she passed away a few years ago and we weren't ready straight away. Um, but 
I've been feeling ready for a while, but for various reasons we haven't um, been able to, but we have looked at things and second half of next year is where dog will be introduced into the family. <laughs> and well, if I can recommend one, we got a sheep dog poodle cross and she is lovely. Oh, she is the best thing. Yeah. She's called a sheep a doodle. Her name is Bailey. She's a year and a half, and uh, I consider her my studio mascot because she has a bed in my office here, and um, she's not here now, but uh, she has added such joy to our household, and um, she doesn't look like a sheepdog. She doesn't really look like a poodle either, but she is a sheepdog poodle cross, and she's just amazing, and she's, it's a lovely breed if, I'm, if I can oh, recommend one. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I don't know if they if they breed all over the globe, but we have breeders here in in Canada. So nice. Uh, I'm curious about so you're you know uh, closing in. You know, would you say on on two years in business? Um, well, I registered my business name in uh, the fall of 2017 because I was already doing some very small. Um, you know, weddings and those kinds of things and one-off pieces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For people. Well, I was still working full time basically. Um, and then last December, essentially I decided let's start this. And while I'm still working at the retail shop, let's start this. And I was very open with, you know, my teacher at the retail shop saying that I'm going to be freelancing more and I'm going to be trying to do more work for myself and see where it goes. And um, by this summer, basically I told her, um, you know, after the summer's over because summer of course is wedding season. Um, after the summer's over come September, I'm going to, um, just work two days a week in the shop for you instead of the five. And, and I'm going to be doing more freelance and work more for wedding and event floors and also do more of my own work. And I had a very successful fall. And so uh, the, I've considered to be successful. And um, we decided mutually come January that I'm just going to be freelancing totally for her and not working at all in the retail shop. And so I'm completely on my own starting in January. And I already have built up some things that I'm excited about and looking towards and looking forward for and um we will see but it's it's another little scary transition <laughs> yeah fantastic it's it's uh it sounds exciting it's exciting and that's the thing too that it's not uh, like a um necessarily a linear process and it's um not that you kind of get to a certain point and then that's it there's always what's the next evolution it sounds like you've got some exciting things going into to next year and beyond. But what would you say have been some of the biggest challenges that you have faced? You, you, you mentioned that you sort of had a, a, a moment where, you know, it was sounded like it was quite stressful for you. But what do you think were any of the, the, the big challenges that you think you've had to overcome since sort of moving more into doing your own thing? Um, well, I'm... I would say I'm probably by myself a lot more than when you work in an office setting, of course. Yeah. Um, and so I consciously now more and more try to make, um, even with just a friend, a coffee date, a dinner date, you know, once or twice a month, uh, just to be out. Um, and I, and I found that extremely difficult when I first sort of was on my own. Mm. I'm working for myself. Um, 
I, I'm a people person. I love people. I talk a lot. And uh, anybody who lives in my house here will tell you that. And they'll be very upfront and honest about it. <laughs> <laughs> that that mom or a Robin talks a lot. Yeah. And um, so, you know, having conversation with people and generally, you know, learning about people and uh, caring about people is, is something that's important to me. And so all of a sudden, here I am working out of my house or, you know, that's why I keep doing the freelancing so that I can be out with other florists. Um, and because I love to learn and love to be with other people. Um, but being here on my own, sometimes at the beginning, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm <laughs> going to go insane. And also adjusting to things like, you know, now I'm responsible for my house. Now I'm fully responsible for all the groceries, all the laundry, you know, not my kids laundry, because they, they do that themselves. But like, you know, I, we used to do a lot of that 50 50 sometimes, and my husband is a very helpful kind of guy. So he's still very helpful. But because I'm home, it's now more become my responsibility to do a lot of those things. So that was a big adjustment for me as well. Like I'm thinking to myself, well, here I was working all the time. And now I'm like doing stuff that a robot could basically do. (laughs) And that's hard. That's a hard adjustment at first to, you know, like I am dusting and this couldn't be more boring. um, Or I'm putting laundry in and this can't be more boring. And now I kind of almost really like taking care of my home. Like it feels like I'm, you know, taking care of the three people that I love the most in the world when I take care of this home. Yeah. And and knowing that I'm still contributing in more ways than one now. I'm not just contributing economically, which I'm still doing, but I'm contributing mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. and in, in a sense physically. Yeah. It, it's almost become more rewarding. Sometimes the people that I live with here will be like, okay, you haven't been with people today. Because <laughs> um, by the end of the day, I'm like, you know, it can be hyper sort of crazy, but, and they know that, but, but I feel like that was a really big adjustment. Like, you know, those two things being on my own more and also adjusting to all the new and different demands that I was kind of used to somebody else taking care of or not having to take care of as much. Yeah. And look again, the the loneliness factor is is real, and I know that there's many people that you know perhaps dream about. Oh, it'd be so great to work from home, uh, and then they actually get the opportunity to do it, and then it's like, oh no, where'd all the fun people go? So it is actually one of those things of, of that it's important to, I think, have a level of self awareness to be able to either anticipate some of those things or to recognize it when it starts to bubble up, and then go, what can I put in place that is going to help counteract the fact that you don't get that same level of water cooler interaction even if you are you know working mostly on your own just being physically around people for me I I travel a bit with my work and that gets me sort of out in front of groups of people but if I have you know too many days working from the home office I'm the same it's that cabin fever kicks in Mick my husband comes home and goes oh maybe you need to call your sister because he knows I've got all these words I have to get out and I have to talk so you know these things are you know real for me sometimes I will go and work at a cafe even though again I'm not necessarily actively ongoingly chatting with people there's something just even energetically being around you know the uh, the, the noise and, and energy of, of um, other people that I think it's like I need a little kind of fix of. So I think they're kind of, you know, challenges that some people might think um, sound a bit funny, but I absolutely have observed it in myself and with a lot of clients that I work with as well. What about when you think about what you do now, what do you think is 
the the best part of it or the the element that you enjoy the most oh you know it's it's funny because there's so many elements to be, to be able to pick one is <laughs> is really is really really hard i i absolutely love almost every single flower i see um now that i work with them all the time there's some flowers still that i that i think to myself wow who made that but <laughs> but but um where did was that made from but um but i absolutely there's there's such beauty when you actually sit and look at a flower, there's such beauty in each and every one of them. So there's that part. Um, I, it's going to sound strange, but when I am creating, I blast music. I, my daughter has labeled my Spotify account as mom's garbage. Um, and (laughs) that is what I listen to. It's all my favorite songs and it's just blasting and there's literally nobody around. And so, so I listen to that and I am just in the zone. I, I can only equate it to what I would think being stoned is like, I've never <laughs> smoked weed. I've never been stoned, but I get in this zone and it's like five hours go by or three hours or however many hours I've dedicated to work on a piece that I'm working on. And it's like, I'm in the zone. So there's that as well. The beauty of the flower, the, the getting in the zone that I've never, and I, and it keeps, and it always happens every time, but the most important thing to me, and I think a lot of florists will say this, and if they don't, then they, I feel like they shouldn't be doing this, but, uh, and that's just my take on these things. But I, I absolutely love having the person who I'm making it for walk into a room or handing the piece I've made to them and just seeing their absolute sheer joy and delight. Mm. That is what I absolutely a hundred percent live for. I, I care about every single client that I work with and I am very, very inclusive. So I love to work with anybody. Uh, my, one of my big mottos and I, and I took a business entrepreneurial course for creatives and I discovered this with one of my fellow creatives in the class was we came up with a slogan together, basically. Um, no matter who you love, this florist loves you. And that's, that's really who I am. That's, oh. that's why, yeah, that's who I am. And, and that's what I care about. I love that. Yeah. I just love, I, I you know, I just did a, an office holiday party. The office manager ordered from me and she told me I would like to have golds and silvers and pine cones. She showed me a picture of the room and I'm thinking to myself, this room I think would work better with gold because it was a very neutral kind of taupey sort of space. Mm-hmm. Lots of people do gold and silvers together, but it, it, if it doesn't come out right, it looks tacky. Yeah. And, and I'm not a big fan personally of doing them together. That's just my, that's just my style. It's not my thing. So I decide I'm going to do just the gold and, and the pine cones because she was really excited about the pine cones. I put everything in the room for her. I did it, you know, what she asked for. And she walked in. Her smile was huge. (laughs) She's like, this looks like a mini wedding. It's so gorgeous. And that's, I was like, I am so pleased to hear this. This is exactly what I live for. Yeah. Those little doses of whether it's recognition or it's the contribution that you're making through doing work that you love and seeing the impact of that on someone else is, is just, it's a, a thing of beauty, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. So for people that are listening to this episode, how would they find out more about what you do and uh, get, you know, getting in touch with you? How do they find out more? 
So the best way to reach me is through my website, and it's literally just bloombyrobin.com, R-O-B-I-N. I am one of the only people my age who is spelled with an I and is a female, but that's what it is, um, Robin with an I. And I'm on Facebook, and it's just bloombyrobin.com, and I'm on Instagram, bloombyrobin.com as well, or bloombyrobin, I guess I should say, not yeah, not bloombyrobin.com. Um, I have an email address that you can find out through my website, and also my cell phone is listed there as well. Um, my own work centers mostly around um, the intimate wedding and uh, holiday and corporate event. Uh, so what I mean by that is I I love working with weddings that are, are sort of on the intimate scale. Mm-hmm. So, you know, not large in centerpiece, not large in number, you know, if, if you're looking for a 40 centerpiece wedding, that's that I'm probably not your florist, but I, but I'd love to talk to you still. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Great. And it's fantastic actually that you've even just sort of started to refine some of those spaces around, you know, where is the sweet spot of who you can add the most value to and the sort of work that overlaps with what you love to do and what they need, because trying to be too broad, as you would know, from a marketing perspective, can be a danger zone of just trying to be all things to all people so I think it's great that you've started to refine in you know who you really do your best work with and for so as we finish up what about any final thoughts or tips that you might have for someone who's listening who perhaps is early in their process of considering making a change or escaping from the desk job or whatever their current job reality is have you got any thoughts on tips of what you think that they could do to help them move forward? I do. And and my librarian self even wrote them down. Oh my goodness. Um, That's so organized of you. (laughs) Uh Um, So, you know, it's funny, no matter what age you are, whether you're much younger than I am or whether you're older, um, it's, it's probably harder when you're much younger because maybe, I mean, there's lots of young people who are very self-aware and very, you know, evolved, but you may not be as evolved or self-aware as, as you are, as you get older. Um, and so what I would say to anybody is, and what I feel is true for me is to listen to your inner self and your inner voice and to what it is telling you, right? Your gut is usually right. And there's absolutely no wrong answer because what is right for you is what is right. Right. And, and the biggest one of all is, and it's very hard to say because I was scared, but you know, don't be scared. What's, what is the worst that can happen? Somebody says no. So, you know, something doesn't go your way. So there's always a next day. There's always a next opportunity. You know, I just, I just quoted two weddings uh, for 2020. Uh, I'm still learning. I'm still learning the quoting process. I'm still learning the booking process. I'm actually taking a course from somebody to, to better learn how to, to work those, those kinds of things to be the best and most efficient for my clients and for prospective clients. And so far, both of those are most likely not going to be happening. And, you know, at first I thought, what am I doing wrong? And I'm working with a mentor and she said to me, it's probably not you, right? She said, it's probably something with them. She's like, the first thing you got to do is not be scared and not think it's it's something wrong with you, right? And just look for the next opportunity and the next opportunity. So I'm also working on a, fo- a style of photo shoot, you know, and we're going ahead and successfully booking that. And I have two other wedding prospects 
for 2020. So, you know, it's, it, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get hit and knocked down and I'll, and I'll use my boxing as an example. I don't, it's non-contact my boxing, but you hit a bag, right? The bag doesn't hit you back, but, but you can get knocked down. You just have to stand right back up. Yeah. Yeah. So many just great, don't be scared. yeah, so many <laughs> great tips there. And look, I, I really love that you touched on the fact that, you know, sometimes it can be more difficult when you're younger. You know, I said right at the beginning of the conversation that so many women, you know, in their forties and beyond are saying, oh, it's too hard now. But actually, uh, I, I think that I agree with you about that the more self-aware you are, the more you've started to get to know yourself. If you can trust that, that inner voice, then that I believe, you know, is a great path to start, you know, following to be even just exploring things that you're curious about or you're interested in to see whether they might be, you know, the next phase for you. And the other thing that I just want to reflect back is an observation that I have from from chatting with you is that you seem to have had a great bias towards taking action and what I love about that is that often people don't take any action until they feel totally sure about what the next thing is going to be. But of course, until you take the step, you won't necessarily know. And so by taking any, even little mini steps of, oh, I'm just going to do this this little weekend course or I'm going to go and have a, a coffee conversation with this person that can help me get some perspective. I'm going to work with my aunt who's a coach who's going to help me, you know, uh, cut through all the noise and influence of other people in my life. They're all you taking action and exploring without what I'm assuming is an attachment to what the outcome is because I think that's where the progress and momentum comes is from you, you know, being open to listening to that inner voice and be willing to explore a few things without necessarily taking a full leap straight away, but having to take some kind of action along the way. Yeah. And there, I'm starting to better trust my own voice. I still obviously seek, you know, answers from other people who might know more, who might know better, but I'm starting to trust my own voice a bit more, but there's always going to be a fear. Mm. Like, you know, for example, I am not somebody who likes to speak on the phone. I will fully admit that, right? I find, and this probably stems way back from my childhood for some strange reason, because back then you could only use the phone. There was no, there was no Skype. There was no email. And I find calling somebody I don't know to be very scary. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I feel like somebody's going to start screaming at me or I don't know what it is, but something about that is very scary. Well, I'm in a job where, and I'm in a, in a, in a business where, you know, somebody calls you because they want to have flowers from you. You got to call them back yes, or, or you don't get the business or you don't even have the potential to get the business. Yeah. Right. So, you know, one of my, I have a, I, I don't know if we're going to talk mantras or any of those kinds of things, but I have a couple of mantras that I say. And there's one that I don't say, but I think about very often. And it's it's from a, a very famous Canadian hockey player. He, I think he's the first to say it. And Canadian listeners will know who he is. I don't know if global listeners will know who he is. But Wayne Gretzky, one of the most famous hockey players in the world, and certainly our most famous Canadian hockey player, um, said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Right? If you don't take any shots, you miss them all. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, there was somebody else and I'm, I'm not going to quote this, right. But something about fear and that to be afraid, but do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yes. Th- those are some of the things that I always think about. My, my mantras are, are um, more along the lines of uh, Walt Disney, keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I say that every time I sort of get knocked down, keep moving forward, keep moving forward, because I, I know this is what I want to be doing. And uh, another one is by Rumi, and it's what you seek is seeking you, right? Yeah. And I firmly believe that what you're looking for, it's looking for you. Yes, and it's about that, the willingness and the courage to go looking and to be able to sort of, you know, have that feeling that, you know, the universe is going to meet you halfway or, or that just just by you starting the search, you're, you're going to be more likely to find what it is that you're looking for. Yes. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that you do have some mantras because I think, you know, managing your own inner voice, managing your own um, mindset, your own inner state is so important, especially on, you know, the entrepreneurial path or working for yourself you know it there's so many emotional roller coasters that will come up every day and challenges that you need to confront and to you know find a workaround or outsource that it's a they do say that um, working for yourself is like the most full-on personal development course you'll ever do <laughs> because it is yeah. so so much that's reflected back to you through you know uh, um, working for yourself that you have to kind of deal with or or work through robin it has been fantastic talking with you and yeah thank thank you so much well thank you so much for sharing your your story too about how you approached making this big change and the other thing I wanted to share is about how you you leverage the experience of the pain of the desk job as a way of helping you push through the challenges that you you know potentially come across in in what you're doing now that you know Mm -hmm. until you can kind of go yeah I'd be happy to go back and do that thing but if you're not able to say that, then you keep persevering because I think sometimes it's easy to sort of fantasize that, oh, it'd be so much easier if I just went back and did X, Y, Z. But, you know, the the reality of that is rarely true. So I think it's good that you kind of are, are leveraging that to, to keep yourself, you know, moving forward and chipping away at the, the new things that are helping you continue to evolve. Yes. And I, I also, just to end on this note, I also feel like, without those backgrounds and that and that education that I first had many of the things that I'm doing now might not have not maybe not as easy I don't I don't know what the right word is but but they might have been more difficult um I I actually one thing I didn't mention is I actually really love um to understand um flower meanings and I have a book actually that I use it's a kind of an encyclopedia and I use I use it to try to personalize my clients events as well as much as I can Um, and that comes from my library background right so 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 using resources I would never know how to do per se if I didn't have that instruction in library science yeah right some of my marketing skills to be able to put out um, you know a website that actually looks relatively decent for a first attempt is because of that marketing background. Yeah. So I think I, I you know, as much as uh, I say, I don't want to go back to the desk. I think a lot of that was invaluable to help me to be able to do the things on the business end of what I do now. Yeah. Right. And to also give a different flair and layer to what I can offer a client. Um, I absolutely love looking in this book when somebody tells me I want my event to feel like X I absolutely love looking in this book and going, hmm, what flowers can I make them, you know, sort of feel like X is going to happen? Yeah. Um, 
And if there are flowers that actually, you know, correspond to that, I then try to suggest, hey, do you know that a ranunculus, which is a beautiful flower that looks like tissue paper and makes me think of the flowers I made as, as a child and is one of my favorites, basically, um, means commitment and everlasting love. It, and that's one of its meanings. Um, oh, beautiful. You know. Yeah. So, so that's something that's, that's very important to me. And I think I, you know, I'm grateful to some of that background that I have to be able to, to move forward in a way that's, that's elegant and articulate and, um, beautiful in in this new passion. And yes. And it's also something that is very unique to you. And I think that that's something that's fantastic that you've kind of joined the dots on that of being able to recognize that potentially, you know, looking at it, you go, these are fairly random things. I was a librarian and then I went into marketing. How did that even happen? And now I'm a floral designer, but that, Mm -hmm. you know, your everything that you've done has led you to now. And there are benefits to that and that you can apply in your role right now. And I think that that's a great thing for hopefully people that are listening to this to, to recognize that whatever they've done up until now has not been a waste in some way. It will be um, a knowledge or a skill that you'll be able to leverage in a different way in whatever is next yes, for you. Absolutely. And that, that also is a great way of, of being able to highlight your uniqueness compared to other people because you have that particular passion or interest or, or background. So I think that's a, a great note to, to finish on. Yes. Robin, thank you so much again for making um, the time to chat with us. And I really wish you all the best in uh, what is coming for you next year. Thank you, Chandra. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. <laughs> you too. Thanks for listening to the Transit Lounge. If you liked it, please do me a favor and leave a review so I can keep doing more episodes for you. And come and say hi in the private Facebook group, The Transit Lounge, being CEO you in the business of your life. I really look forward to connecting with you there. And until then, do whatever you can to create a future that you will love through the choices you make today.